And welcome to Cinco de Mayo with uh, Kyle and Chris here on 90 Feet Apart. It is Friday, 5 May, and uh, we are back once again to talk some sports on uh, Cinco de Mayo. So happy Cinco de Mayo, my friend, as I yeah. drink my Modelo. Modelo, and I drink my uh, City Wide. You are not participating as you should. In fact, that's got a Florida Lee on it, by the way. It does. And if you know anything about Cinco de Mayo, it is actually not the Mexican Independence Day. That's in September. It's just the 5th uh, of May. No, it is the celebration of the Mexican Army defeating the French at uh, La Puebla. Is there anybody who hasn't beat the French in a military yes, conflict? Uh, you may be right on that. So, I mean, why are we celebrating things yeah. we're supposed to win? Frogs don't But, win. you know, I, I, I like holidays that encourage you to drink. And eat yes. really good food. Like, a la St. Patty's Day. Yeah. Love to get down on some Guinness. Pretend. And you know what I love Americans, too, is we just pretend to celebrate every holiday. It's like you go to St. Louis. The river's green all of a sudden. Well, not the river, yeah. but they die. Yeah, and then now all of a sudden you go down to Cherokee Street in um, the South Side, uh, in between Soulard and the stadium, and now everybody's just going to be eating chips and salsa and pretending to be, awesome. be Hispanic. It's great. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, down I, I don't call it cultural appropriation. I call it uh, equal opportunity. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think it's wonderful. I, I do. Yeah, anything that encourages you to drink. All right, man. So uh, let's see. A lot going on in the world of sports in the last week since last we talked, which was on 26 April. So. Uh, yep. Big things happening. NFL draft took place last week and it over the did. weekend. Yeah. A lot going on there. Thoughts you, on that. What'd you think? Uh, I was really happy. So for the listeners who may not know, but if most people listening probably do know me, uh, big Bengals fan, uh, a la Joe Burrow. I, uh, I, I was happy with their picks. Uh, strong defense because, you know, they're pretty set on the offensive side of the football uh, when you have Joe, Joe Cool and then, I would say arguably the best uh, receiving core there is in the NFL. But they went defense, and uh, they got the running back from um, Illinois. So I was really pleased. Um, their name escapes me, so I was uh, can't, but I, I'm pretty pleased with the draft. But I thought the funniest thing uh, was, well, first of all, what did you think about your Chargers? Any help for you? Uh, so overall, the draft was kind of, nah, you know, it wasn't anything. It didn't blow your doors off, of, but. They, I'll be honest with you, they didn't address one area which I thought was really important to them to address, which would be... Coaching? <laughs> yeah, I am not a uh, a big fan of the coach there. Um, What's his name? Uh, why am I blanking out? They were just dogging because him out. Because you're not a big fan of No, him. <laughs> no. <laughs> they were just dogging him out uh, um, on radio the other night. Um, Brandon Staley. Yeah, that's right. Um, that's right. No, I don't think they addressed uh, stopping the run, which is, uh, I mean, it's a huge problem. You know what? The Chargers, for years, it's been an issue stopping the run. Yeah, and I thought that actually in their playoff game where they blew the lead this year, not to pour salt in an open wound, um, but I thought Jacksonville's capability to run the football set up those passes that led them right back into the game. Yeah, so they, I mean... They, they took a defensive tackle, Scott Matlock, and they took him late. He was I mean, draft number 200. So, I mean, it's not like we're talking about an elite run stopper here. Um, you know, they gave uh, – they gave uh, – what? Gosh, I'm blanking out on all kinds of stuff today. Yeah. Justin Herbert. That's they right. gave Justin Herbert another target with uh, wide receiver Quentin Thompson, drafted number 21. They drafted three guys out of TCU. So, I don't know. Maybe we're like TCU West now. Um, and so, if you know anything about championships, 
and TCU. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. Yeah, no, so not so much. Yeah, they took two wide receivers. They took two of their wide receivers, and, and then they took their quarterback, Max Duggan. There's a movie back in the 80s called Max Dugan Returns. I don't know if they're going to, like, make the second coming of that. But, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're going to recreate some TCU magic up until the championship game uh, or the BCS. Like the uh, It's the Kind of Magic. Was yeah. it the Queen song? Yes. Yeah, I think it was. Good, good it was call. Good, it was a good, good tune. Before your time, good call. I was born, and, and, I was uh, born in 85. They pulled a linebacker. They pulled a linebacker. Tuli Tuipulotu. Small guys, man. Those Islanders, I can't. It's hard to say their name. A lot of vowels. Yeah. No. Um, but you know, good. You they have a they have a good track record with USC linebackers, a la Junior Seau. Yeah, he was so he was pretty solid. He was he's my favorite football player of all time. He was pretty um, good. So you know, uh, overall, it didn't they didn't blow my doors off? Uh, but I mean, we'll see how it pairs out. I'm sure Brandon Staley will waste that talent. But what about some of the quarterbacks? I mean, that was the big story going into the draft. Where some of the quarterbacks that are out there. Uh, Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, Will Levis. So. I think you know where I'm going to go with this one. So yeah, I'm gonna, go ahead. I'm going to paint this picture for you. And it reminded me of the cheesy movie Draft Day with uh, <laughs> Bo Callahan, who was the Wisconsin talent or whatever, slated to go number one, blah, blah, blah. So you're being told by all your agents, Mel Kuyper, who is relevant, you know, one day out of 365 at the NFL <laughs> No, draft. he gets three because he's really important the day prior to the draft, oh, the, and the day, day after, draft, and the day after the grades. That's true. And then you never hear from him again. And Todd McShay, too. Yeah. but it, So you show up there. You're guaranteed by everybody to go, you know, top ten. And then you just keep falling. I'm not saying it's embarrassing, but I, I feel bad for the dude's mom. And the dude's girlfriend, they're all dressed up and everything, day one. You're talking. And yeah. then the last pick comes and goes, and you're sitting there going, well, why the hell was I even invited here? This yeah. is, you know, it's like, so your first, <laughs> your first experience in front of the national, the fans and everything in front of the National Football League is you get invited and you don't even get picked. So, I mean, does that mean we can get invited? Because I'm not getting picked in the yeah. first, first round. Yeah. Poor Will Levis. But he got picked up by the Titans, anyways. Yeah, he did. But he looked really good in his suit. He had a nice, he had a pocket square on, which yeah. means that's that's dapper. So, which brings me to this point, though: How important is it to get drafted in the first round? It, clearly, it doesn't affect your playing time if you're a good player. Cost you, cost you your contract, big time. Yeah, and the the other team, well, it does. But I mean, if you prove yourself, you get a contract, Tom Brady. Yeah, but you're going to miss a few years of that. I mean, it cost him True. a lot of money. They're estimating the. the, the Based off where he was projected to go, he lost $25 million. Yeah, but if he's good. His rookie contract. If he's good, he'll make it up. Eventually. Kyle. Kyle. He, lost, he lost $25 million. So, be better then. Yeah. <laughs> it but wasn't really a case of being well, better. It was okay. a case of being, you know, once, once Indianapolis took uh, Anthony Richardson, nobody in that next, you know, uh, 25 picks or whatever it was needed a quarterback. So. True. He he slid into that position, and you know, so they, Tennessee grabbed him. I was merely talking about uh, the playing on the field. Never mind. Playing on the field was damn good, right? But I'm simply saying, how important is it in the NFL to get drafted outside of money, a la Tom Brady, a la last year, Mister Relevant, Brock Purdy? Eight. No, what I'm simply saying is, he still got a chance. You never know what can happen. Oh my gosh! I mean, those are crapshoots. I mean, those. Well, are, it is. Well, but, but what it about happened. Peyton Manning. What about him? Yeah. He wasn't drafted in the – he didn't slide to the second round or the fifth or the seventh. He wasn't Mr. Irrelevant. I mean, for the most part, I mean, not 100%, uh, those folks that go in that first round, go in that first round for a reason. Yeah, Joe Burrow. And 
typically have success. Trevor Lawrence. Justin Herbert. Yeah. Um, I'm simply saying I'm just trying to uh, maybe if the guy, if Will Levis ever listens to him, maybe just, you know, show some <laughs> sympathy. To it's like, oh, like, poor, you still got drafted. Poor fella. But, poor. but he went to a good situation. I mean, he I did. Think, I think he did. Yeah. Um, he's going to go sit behind Ryan Tannehill. And, and he's got time to learn. Um, I, I actually, you know, I looked at the depth roster. They got him as number three in the depth roster because they drafted a quarterback last year, Malik Willis, I think in the third round. Uh, a project out of Liberty. Liberty, Liberty, Liberty. Yeah, yeah liberty. different Liberty, oh. but not Liberty, Liberty. Um, <laughs> liberty Butchamov. <laughs> um, so he, he's he's buried a little bit on the depth chart, but maybe that's okay. Maybe he's just going to sit there and learn. I don't know how many reps he's going to get in practice. But so yeah. was Brock Purdy. Yeah, well, really was he with Jimmy G? He was third. Hey, it's I know, but is he really buried because Jimmy G's guaranteed yeah, to get hurt? That's true. And he's real mediocre. The well, yeah, game manager. They game like manager. to call mediocre in football game manager. They used to call that Trent Dilfer. <laughs> <laughs> they used to call it suck. <laughs> but then you also, you know, a couple other quarterbacks. Bryce Young goes to Carolina, best quarterback in the draft, most most NFL ready quarterback in the draft. Decent situation he's going to. He's got a decent receiving core. I mean, at least his wide receivers aren't super. Uh, experienced in a lot of catches, but you got Hayden Hurst came over from Cincy. You guys lost him, and he signed with Carolina. Yeah, I was sad to see him go, but... Um, 50 catches two of the last three years, so, yeah. I mean, that's a good outlet target. Sad, sad to see him go, but... Um, and they got a running game. Yeah. Uh, Miles Sanders, they're running back 1,200-plus yards last year, so they got Carolina's not fooling go around. They're they're trying to make a statement. But is um, he going to so. is he gonna play? Because he's got Andy Dalton in front of him. <laughs> the Red Rocket? <laughs> So, who do you think will, by the time it's all said and done, who will have played for more teams? Ryan Fitzpatrick, a la Fitzmagic, yeah. or Andy Dalton? Yeah, I don't know. Dalton always goes into a situation where he's a decent quarterback, but he always goes in a situation where there's a young gun behind him just waiting to take his job. I think when, you know, just Andy Dalton could not win a playoff game in Cincinnati for the, all those years, may have. Not, I'm not saying it you know, mess with his mind. But yeah, at some point you go, like, am I cursed? Because the, the last playoff game I think it was where he was with the Bengals, they're beating the Steelers. And then, you know, I think there was 10 seconds to go, third and whatever. It's very similar situation to this year's AFC title game. And a la Vontez Perfect comes in, smokes. Oh, dirty dude. Uh, dirty. Smokes. Gosh, who did he hit? That guy's dirtier than Jenna Oh, Anderson. yeah. Smokes. A- <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Smokes Antonio Brown, two seconds left. Um, uh, unsportsmanlike, 15-yard, uh, whatever. N- turns a 60-yard field goal into just a makeable one, and wham, bam, lost to the Steelers, season yeah, over. Yeah. But I'm excited for football. I can't wait for the fall to get here. Um, <laughs> we could discuss why I can't wait for the fall to get here later uh, on in the show. Yeah, it's getting it's- – it's looking more and more appealing. Um, is hey, it? One other one other thing I want to talk about is uh, so Anthony Richardson going to the Colts. Touched on it a minute ago, but you know he's a real project too. Uh, similar to last year, we were talking about with Malik Willis. I think he's maybe a little bit more talented than Malik Willis was, but um, he's going there. He he is rough. Like his, I think his career um, completion rate there at Florida was like 53%. I mean, he's not an efficient passer. No. But he is no. going to a, a team with a brand-new head coach, Shane Steichen, who was the offensive coordinator for the Eagles for a long time and really helped develop 
Jalen Hurts as an NFL quarterback. Yeah. So maybe a good situation for him. I think so, but it, it's such it's such if I could learn how to speak the English language. It's tough. It is tough. Yeah. The NFL, you know, you got so much you know, it, it's to me it's the biggest jump between college to the NFL. College football to the NFL. I mean all much the players faster, talk about much faster, faster, stronger, I mean everything for quarterbacks, you know, what is considered covered in college is usually sometimes considered based on the route considered cover or open in the NFL yeah. your window is stuff and I mean so I think you know the NFL like every draft you're you're drafting somebody to hope for the best but you know you always got to prepare for the worst to me not the the NFL you're just open let's let's see can you can you develop into something to where I mean in any sport but I think the NFL is just a crapshoot yeah but, I, I mean it really is. I, just I don't think it's as crapshoot like baseball is. Well, yeah, baseball. Which feeds yeah. into, I mean, kind of another thing. So the NFL draft is like a big event now, right? I mean, right. It's, it's a big thing. Right. Um, and I think maybe there's, may, one of the reasons is because you see instant move from college to the draft you see into the, the NFL. You, you see, see it the next, next year, year right? Yeah. Baseball draft. You got to wait five years. You to wait see four them. to five years to see if somebody develops. And most of the time, they don't. Yeah. Most of the time, it's a miss. In high school, I was playing with seniors or against seniors that were already drafted. The Expos had drafted a guy, um, that high school draft or whatever was special. And obviously, it was a contract signed or not like money contract, but the dude was already like, oh, I'm drafted. And you're like, what? Cool. I just rocked you, but I guess that's why the Expos are, well. No uh, longer? <laughs> I tell you what, though. That's they, why the Expos are the Nationals? Yeah, but I really like the Expos hat. Was there a cooler hat? That's a badass that hat. That was a badass hat. Yeah, badass uniforms, too, when they had powder yeah. blues. Yeah. So, yeah, we're here on 90 Feet Apart, Chris and Kyle. Hey, uh, one other thing, or not one other thing, but well, uh, another thing going on last week. Uh, in the NBA and NHL, some big, big upsets. Oh, I love it. I love upsets. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah, see it. Uh, Miami, the Heat, the number eight team, takes out Milwaukee, the number one team, and just a couple years removed from being the NBA champs, um, knocks them out. Jimmy Butler goes off with like thirty-seven point six per game in that series, uh, and then what? Oh, <laughs> repercussion of that? Mike Budenholzer, the coach of the of the Bucks, is canned two years after winning the NBA championship. I, I got to wonder if there's some kind of you know, you know, NBA is one of those is one of those it's areas where the 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 star players run that league. Yeah, absolutely. Players just so is there a, is there Giannis? Is I there think a, I think the coach is just there in the NBA to put on the lineup and then make subs every now and then and just stand there. Wow, I mean that's crazy. To get can that quick. I mean, uh, if that was the case, the Cardinals would have gone through a lot of a lot of managers in the last twelve years since they won their last championship. Oh wait, they have. <laughs> Not quick enough. And not one of them has had uh, major league managing experience. But we'll get to that later in the show. Yeah. I'm going to need at least two more oh beers before gosh, we get to A lot of modellos for that. Hey, uh, uh, in uh, NHL, Boston, after setting the all-time points record for a team, gets bounced by the Florida Panthers. Yeah, that was fantastic one. I feel for the uh, Boston fans, not really. Um, maybe Packy Norton. But uh, I don't Brindy feel Donovan, for him. I don't, Donovan, Brindy Donovan. Donovan. I don't feel for him because one, I don't like Brad Marchand. Oh, the best part of it was the picture they caught of Brad Marchand basically in tears on the on the ice yes, next to the board. Again, board. after Loved the Blues it. beat, Loved it. So, which brings me to that it, guy sucks. Well, what I don't like about Brad Marchand, like I said, he could be. Everybody says he's a really nice guy. I don't like the way he plays. He's one of the dirtiest he's players dirty. ever. And when it comes time to actually drop the gloves, he skates away. He's dirtier than Jasmine Jay. 
Are we going to go through all of them? I'm not listing any porn stars because my wife will look at me when she comes home the day before her birthday. Why do you know these many porn stars? I don't, but apparently uh, Chris does. I heard he's older. You heard of them? Yeah, I read on a... I Internet-based research? Yes. Is, is that what it was? <laughs> um, but well, I'm just to go circle back. I mean, which these two upsets prove that, yes, you want to be good in the regular season. But all you have to do is get to the playoff. It get hot. Well, there's yeah. probably no sport like hockey where you can ride a hot, you can ride a hot goaltender all the way to the cup. You know? And I also wanted to comment on that game, too. So I watched that game. I was over at my brother-in-law's house. And like I said, I'm not, I don't really follow other sports as much as I do baseball, especially, you know, with the Cardinals in. But I watched that game because I do enjoy a good physical game seven. I mean, well, it's just, we it's just fun. good physical games in NHL like we used to. Right, which we could talk about that on a later day. Um, but the controversy everybody's talking about, and I saw it when after the faceoff and before the equalizer was scored in the third period, I saw in the upper-hand corner my brother and I were talking about it, like It just said goal. Florida Panthers goal, and it came out, and then they got rid of it. And then 30 seconds later, they scored. And I said, even before they scored, I looked at my brother and I was like, if the Panthers score, everybody, social media, the entire sports world is going to go, this was rigged, yeah. you know, all this stuff. And, you know, then they did score. I don't score, care if it like, was because Boston didn't win. I don't give a shit. Yeah, I mean, rigged against Boston. But, I, but I'm just simply saying there's no way it could have been rigged because there, you cannot, if those players can – react that way they need to be in hollywood for their acting skills yeah, yeah. because that, that was just pure raw emotion right. you, you can't fake that you know i think another great thing about it is it's the beauty of sports man it's it, it, anybody can lose and the uh, the the underdog can win at any time yeah. it, it, whether you're talking a single game or a series it's i think it's great for sports when you see yeah. uh, a lower seed like that win did we have a 16 seed beat a one seed this year in uh in the NCAA? Yeah, and then Princeton, a 15 seed, yeah. beat a number two seed. Went they to the went, Sweet 16. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's good beautiful. for them. I think that's great. Those are some smart basketball players that just went out and balled on some people. I mean, <laughs> Those what are do some, you th- some nerds with some game. Well, yeah, what do you think, like, the average IQ on Princeton was? Oh, I bet, like, gosh. on the floor it was, like, 750 first. I wonder whatever. if it's, like, that movie A Beautiful Mind where he just, oh, like, yeah. sees equations. I wonder if when they're, like, on the floor they yeah, just He could see, just see the play happening just, before yeah, they, they did. they see, and, like, and, geometric patterns in the defense or whatnot. Do you think they all though had like a a crazy white man, a little girl following them too? Yeah, that maybe was on so. The, yeah. Maybe so. What was his name in that movie? Uh, it'll come to me. It's probably it was Brandon. Staley. So your <laughs> but, but your your mind isn't beautiful. <laughs> no, not at all. No. Hey Sue, so, uh, with those in mind, what I, I was thinking about this uh, two days ago as I was preparing for this, but what, some of the all time great upsets in sports history. What do, what do you, what do you got? Is like I mean. I'm not going to throw Miracle on Ice in there. Miracle on Ice is the greatest upset in the history of sports. Worldwide. Bar none. Definitely right. in American sports. That's why I have a Jim Craig I would jersey. say, everyone. That's why I watch Miracle continuously. I, but uh, what else? What else would you throw out there? I have uh, my list here, and I'm going to go straight to football. I can't, uh-huh, 2007, yeah. the Giants beating the uh, New England Patriots. In the Super Bowl. Well, so, the Patriots were 16-0 and 0 there. Right. So not only wrecking their undefeated season, they sent him home without a ring. Well, that's David Tyree ball stuck to his Yeah, his that was he fantastic. Had, he had stick him on his head. Well, of course. And he wouldn't be able to pitch. 
in the major leagues that right. they had that yeah. much stick. Yeah. But we'll talk about yeah. that. <laughs> that just came to me. Yeah. Maybe I have a beautiful. Right, well, mind. If Phil Cuzzy was on par in that game. That would, or was referee in that game. That definitely wouldn't have. That definitely wouldn't have been a catch. He's surely old enough to. What about um? What about Appalachian State over number five Michigan in two thousand seven? Also the same year. Yeah. Two upsets in the. There was that was a great year. So that year I was uh, deployed. And I remember hearing about the game. There was a bunch of us. We just got in the theater, and a buddy of mine, you know, deployed buddy of mine, you're familiar with those. Yeah. He just comes in laughing, and he goes, Appalachian State just beat Michigan. No, I don't know if his voice was that high. And at the time, <laughs> I was your friend? still. Did your friend suck helium? He does. <laughs> just said, Appalachian State just beat, just beat everybody. And I was like, was I thought he was. How you just did you it. liked it? Uh, yeah, I'll take one of those. Um, I thought. Uh, I didn't even know who Appalachian State was. I thought it was a joke. I thought it was like Blue Mountain State, like the the deal. I thought that was the Phoenix Moon Zephyrs. The Phoenix Moon Zephyrs? Yeah. No, the Citywide. Oh, you don't want good beer. I got you. Oh, they're going to be one of our sponsors one day. It doesn't matter. But, yeah, that was that was a great, uh, a fantastic uh, upset. I got, for my top upset of all time, and I remember right where I was, too, is uh, Mike Tyson getting knocked out by Buster Douglas in 1990. I believe it was in the Tokyo Dome in in uh, Tokyo, Japan. But Chad Towers, uh, if you're out there, valedictorian of our high school class of 1991, had a party at his house, I believe, that night. And we yeah. were all there. We had to fight on, and we watched it. It wasn't, we weren't was, there. It was wasn't a party to watch the fight. Oh. But we had to fight on, and, and and everybody was shocked by that. It was amazing. So this is going to throw some of. I don't my, know what uh, the odds were, but it was really. I mean, like you know, one of those like two hundred and fifty to one odds or something. You should have like bet that. on it. Uh, well, if I for the know, draft well, game was around because it was in Missouri. Oh, you, can't you still couldn't bet on it because the sons of bitches won't yeah. pass the. There's a lot of weird rules in Missouri, but you can't bet. Yeah, figure that one out. Amazing. I'm going to throw. You can kill people and get away with it. Yeah, but you just can't bet on sports. We don't want you making that money. Yeah. Oh, my internet shut down. Hold on one second. So, uh, I was going to throw a curveball out there with another sports upset yeah. for my uh, soccer loving fans. The 2015-2016, uh, Leicester City uh, won the English Premier League, and that was a huge upset. Was it? It was. Yeah. Really, really, really big. I used and, to watch um, it a lot when I lived in England in, yeah. like, 92. <laughs> 92. When Man United owned the world. I think they still own the world. Yeah. So... And I'm going to throw a rugby one out there real quick. Oh, good Lord. Oh, it's a great – talk about world – so, and, yeah. and they made a movie about it, Invictus, and I am a rugby fan. I yeah. do love South rugby. South Africa over – New Zealand All Blacks. Yeah. And it's funny how that came out. South, if South Africa was not the host country, they would not have qualified for that World Cup. They were supposed to be – not even make it out of pool play. And they beat some rugby powerhouses well, in New that Zealand tournament. Well, New Zealand All Blacks is not a national team. It's a, it's a private club team. But they play for New Zealand. Yeah. Most of the club. Do I? Yeah. You ever want to read a good book? No. It's called Legacy by James Kerr. It's about the New Zealand All Blacks. Is there pictures in it? No, zero. There's a picture on the cover. How about that? Okay. All right. I like that. Is it like the Braille Playboy from... uh, No. What was that? uh, Duncan? uh, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Be right out. (laughs) Hey, so uh, let's get over to baseball, man. Uh, Tampa is still in fuego. On fire. I, yeah. You're going to depress me. Sorry, bro. Braves continue to be a class of the NL in my book. Uh, I don't know about you. And then uh, I, I, I'm i ex- I'm excited to watch. I, I clicked on them the other night on the MLB channel. I watched the Orioles for a little bit. 
They're what, good. Yeah, what an exciting the team Oilers they got. The are really good. They are exciting. But is, Adley Rushman is legit. Yes. Yes. 100%. And, you know, I'm happy for their fans there because they went through some crap team. So I wonder. And, and, and a team with a lot of history. Right. You know, the great I mean, they were the Browns. They, the organization's been around. I'm not saying the Orioles have been around, but, the, you know, the St. Louis Browns were a team. It's not like they were a. Um, yeah, Dave Abel, I know you listened because you told me you gave me some feedback on the first podcast. Uh, just as you remember, the, the Orioles are really a St. Louis team. Maybe that's who we should root for this year. <laughs> I'm about to go that way. Because there are other birds. I don't, which I don't know if you noticed, my uh, flag out front is upside down. It's a distress signal. It is 100 but it's yeah. the 100% I pulled up of distress the cardinal. signal. I mean, other than s- sending the bat signal up into the sky, the birds on the bat signal, um, the upside down flag told me that we, we need help. Yeah. But a uh, couple other things. Uh, hey, did you hear Jacob DeGrom? Jacob DeGrom is hurt. Is it a bigger story if he's hurt or if he's playing? <laughs> he's like, if, playing. If it's, I think it's a bigger story at this point if he's going to make two consecutive starts. He's got elbow inflammation. Is he done? I don't know, but he certainly isn't worth the worth, worth the contract. No, I mean the guy's just a giant red walking red flag. He, I mean when he's when he's healthy, he's awesome. Don't get me wrong, but he's never healthy. Yeah. So and poor what? investment. Yeah, it was a poor investment. What do you? Uh, I would have taken him. Though. What about early MVPs? Any thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, it's only a month into the season. It's just pre- pretty much speculation. But early MVPs, early M- gosh, there's really there's really so many. I mean, Otani's always got to be in there. No, Otani. I think Otani's the MVP until he says he's not. Right. <laughs> Which he's the he MVP of the world until he retires. I saw him Wednesday night live. I went to the game. I watched him. Uh, the guy is legit. He had 13 Ks in five innings. They did touch him for four runs in five innings. On a couple of long balls, which is that's an out, offensive outburst for the Redbirds. Right yeah, now. that's true. Um, yeah, but he had I thirteen Ks in five innings. In five innings, you get fifteen outs. He Ked thirteen of them, and he was three for five at the plate with two ringing singles and a double. Yeah, legit. That's a big one in the ninth inning too, yeah. off of our, I guess, closer. Closer. That's, we're talking about okay. that. Today. But no, Shohei Otani, um, Mike Trout's always in there. He's got Who to also hit a home run that night to put yeah. him ahead. After that was a getting, game winner. After getting plunked in the ribs. Yeah, that was a game winner, by the way. Yeah, it was. So I was at the – well, we'll, we'll get into that the next segment yeah. because I want to go. There's just, uh, gosh, so, so, so about, many right now. What about now. Ronald Acuna Jr.? Yes. He's a, a stud. He is a he, he is a man among boys right now. Did you see the home run he hit the other night? No. 448 feet in the upper deck of City Field? Jeez. Absurd. It was absurd. Dude, I know people that I golf with that can't hit a golf ball that far <laughs> with a driver. They may slice it that far, but it doesn't go straight. And on a, another guy on the AL side, a guy that's on a team full of potential MVPs uh, with the Blue Jays, Matt Chapman. Yes, that's the name I couldn't think of. Thank you for bringing that. Man, Matt Chapman, he's a stud. Mm. The Blue Jays are good. The yeah, Blue they're, Jays they're, they're struggling really, a little bit really right good. now. They're, they're, they're struggling. They've lost their last three or four. Um, but, man, what an offensively talented team. They have. Yeah. yeah. They're fun to watch. So, and we're gonna, I'm not talking about I have to, as big as a baseball fan as I am, I have to start branching out more. I think I'm going to buy the uh, MLB ticket so I can watch out-of-market games and other teams. Yeah, you should. There, it, There's a lot of because, like I said, as a, as a baseball fan, I want to – I mean, like, I, I follow it on the Internet, but I won't watch these guys. 
and you know watch and want to be better for the uh, program here but just appreciate what good baseball is because <laughs> the, in the next segments you're going to hear me just yeah shred and shred yeah. And shred. Yeah. Hey, man, last segment we talked, or the last episode, we talked about the new rules and some of the things that were going on with that. But we saw some more weirdness with that this week. With I mean, the one that gets me more than anything is Cody Bellinger is, you know, playing for the Cubs. Got off to a pretty decent start. Yeah. Up he, and then they're cooled off a little bit. Yeah, and some of the Cubs him, overall. Yeah. But uh, he's a guy I kind of like. I actually was hoping the Cardinals might take a flyer on him during the offseason, but he but, comes back to L.A. and he gets a standing ovation and steps out of the box and they give him a pitch clock violation. you got to be kidding me. That's ridiculous. And that is the umpires, once again, inserting themselves into the game because they don't appreciate the moment of what is going on. It's, why? Why do umpires, especially in baseball overall, feel like they yeah. have to just insert themselves? You were there to call balls and strikes safe and out. That's it. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, I, I shouldn't hear your name ever. No, if, the game. If, if you hear your name as an umpire, it's for negative rules. Yeah, hey, I, you know, or negative ways, not negative rules. With what you're saying about they should be in the moment, right? So I, I think an umpire at that point should be doing one of these, like uh, Peyton Manning, Omaha. Yeah, Omaha. Omaha. Call an audible. He should be calling an audible, which is don't turn the damn pitch clock on. Yeah, let this guy have his time. Doing the wheel. Wave to the people. It's a nice moment for the guy come back. Appreciating all he did there, and he did a lot. He won an MVP there for crying out loud. Yeah, yeah, it's so absurd. Why, why, just absurd. Why do you think major league umpires? And I see this more under any sports. I know every every sport has their, you know, I don't damage people. I guess I don't know the problem child, if you will. Yeah. Why? And even throughout history, why are major league umpires so conceited? Uh, yeah. Right. Right. I think it's one of those things. Again, you know, we talked about the the pace of baseball um, where it allows you not as much anymore because of the pitch clock, but previously it allows you to have that dialogue between pitches, between innings. Yeah. And part of that is to be able to see the umpire and talk about the umpire and, you know, explore calls they made and calls that, you know, and now with analytics, Hey, analytics is hitting umpires just as much as it is baseball players with, yeah. you know, efficiency yeah. of their strike calls and their out calls and that sort of thing. I, I don't get it. I think, you know, we talked about it on the last episode about what the hell. Why are, why are these right. umpires, you know, so bad? Um, what a union. What a union these guys have. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think people have tried to get fired from the I umpires think, union. I think they're, they they're head them. of their union is Jimmy Hoffa. Still alive. If there is somebody who, that's a great point. If there is somebody who knows where Jimmy Hoffa is, is it is the, it's, it's Joe West. <laughs> or Jim Joyce. Yeah. Tim Joyce. See, so real quick, I respect Jim Joyce. He was a great umpire, and his numbers prove it. But he took that perfect game away from Galarraga the year before um, review. He had a great mustache. But he did, but you know what? He owned it. Yeah, he did. He yeah. come out yeah. and he said, sure "I did. blew it. I owned it." He sat there. Jim Leland and the Shed players tears, man. just ripped him apart all the way through there, and he could have walked up and he sat there. He accepted it. Showed you know what? I'm sorry. It's a shame that they can't go back now and make that a perfect game because everybody knows it was. Yeah, it was. Everybody knows it was. But at least he owned it. So good on him for for owning it. But and what, one of these things, too, I just I wish we could hear what players say. I never understood why players, mainly hitters, get ejected 
after they're walking back to the dugout. They yeah. said their piece, and then they're walking, You've and then all of a sudden. Bull Durham, man. <laughs> you know, he said the magic word. But true, but to be fair, the umpire asked him to call him that. Yeah, oh, good point. He asked him to. So that's the thing. Why do umpires bait players into doing it? Yeah, and there's a lot of that. I mean, Lance C. Diaz. C.B. Buckner. Terrible. So, but even this, when we could talk about this maybe at a later show, will umpiring ever get better? Because you can't even get umpires now. I was reading an article, and I, I, I draw the blank, and I'm not going to go research it right now. It says even in youth sports now, all through all, um, or all throughout America, the average referee who gets into it is done in two years. They quit, whether from parents, yeah, kids, parents just being awful. treated like crap. Yeah. So uh, I want to go. So with these younger ones, aren't there to replace it? If there's no more umpires, you don't have you don't have a league. See, yeah. I would love to get into umpiring. I, maybe maybe we can get. I have a couple of friends who are. Uh, we have an NFL ref friend. Yeah. Oh yeah, I forgot about Merle. Uh, we have a. Uh, I have a couple of friends who are uh, NCAA. Referees, basketball referees. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, let's and, get them uh, on the show. And they, they've talked to me about that before. Maybe we get Chris Markey and Mike Barber yeah. out there. Uh, Once we figure out how to take a phone call and put it on the audio. Gosh, man, we're just figuring out the soundboard. Yeah, I know. Hey, one other one other the weirdness rules thing. The other day, the guy with the with the wedding ring. Who was it? I got Zach, Zach Eflin yeah. is his name. Pitched for Tampa Bay. Again, for those listeners who haven't heard about this, there was so we know they're cracking down on pitchers with hand stuff. So there's a, a pitcher. What was his name? I'm drawing a blank. Zach Eflin. That's right. I thought you said Zach Efron. I'm Zach like, Efron. Zach Efron all of a sudden. Ladies Good looking man, that guy. I, I bet you he could pitch Good better for the man. Cardinals. Um, so Zach <laughs> Efron, he has his rubber wedding ring. Did I say rubber? Rubber? Uh, say that ten times. Rubber ring? Sorry. He has his ring on his finger that he got married with. See what I did there? I changed the words around so I didn't yeah. sound like a darn yeah. fool. It wasn't even on his pitching hand. It was on his glove, hand. On his glove hand. Completely covered. So why? W- this is this is like an early what the hell. This is a what the hell. This is a WTF. And this is once again <laughs> Major League Baseball and umpires sticking their nose where it doesn't yeah. belong. Yeah, they, and the words they gave him is his li- you know, listen, you either got to take it off or you're going to be ejected out of the game. And he's like, okay, I'll take it off. I would have been ejected. I was yeah. like, my wife is more important than you. Because if he, if he got ejected, he would have made a statement that said, I'm not taking off my ring for this bullshit. Yeah. Sorry I, for the language. I can't say that I've ever heard of it before. But, I mean, especially, it wasn't metal. It's not like he's cutting the ball with it. And Even if you, it's in his glove hand, man. So See, but this is, yeah. this is, this is ridiculous. I mean, somebody has to answer for that. And that's another thing, too. Why do umpires get away with murder? Not, okay, not murder. Sorry for that. But just do whatever they want. They no could press in St. Louis. They could in St. Louis. Well, especially now that DA stepped down. No, June 1st. Or No, no. Did you hear she said she's going to step down on June 1st? The person that's replaced her said, you don't need to wait that long. You, you could go tomorrow. <laughs> no, just that. Well, they still only have one one prosecutor to prosecute 500 felony cases right now. Can you do, like, what is that in Batman, the, the one of the uh, Rico case? Can they do, like, can they, yeah, exactly. A can Rico they do, case. Can they do, like, speed dating with speed prosecutions? Um, so, hey. What did you do? <laughs> we're we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Uh, I'm Chris. I'm Kyle. And this is 90 Feet Apart.
Ah, welcome back to 90 Feet Apart. I'm Chris, and this is Kyle. And uh, we're here to talk uh, a little bit more sports today, and uh, yeah, we've we led are. up into uh, what we really like to talk about, and that is St. Louis Cardinal baseball, if that is what you would like to call it, sir. Um, no. <laughs> I don't want to call it that. Yeah, it is. St. Louis Cardinal bad baseball. Yeah. That is 100% more accurate. So, uh, since our last episode, the birds on the bat have not heard so well. They have gone one and six since that. The day that we were on air, they had had a six nothing victory to close out the San Francisco series. But since then, they are winless, sir. Uh, They have fallen uh, to the LA sickness, the LA syndrome, LA confidential. Uh, both L.A. Law, Corbin LA Burns. Law. They he have, was uh, um, Roger Dorn. Roger so he Dorn. was a baseball player. Yes, he's legit. Yeah, yeah, he started the rally where... Yeah, uh, he had like 274, I think. Uh, he started the rally where uh, yeah. Pedro where hit Pedro the Serrano bomb. hit yeah. the bomb, yeah. And he got rid of Joe Boo. Yeah. Um, so the we lost to the Dodgers on the road. Got swept. And then the Angels at home we got swept, of which I got to witness a little bit of that. I think you did too, did you not? I did, yeah. It was yeah. the most first fun night. Ever. You had the first night there. Yes, I was the second night there. Uh, we didn't have a hit until the fifth inning. Beautiful. O'Neill broke it up. And the night I was there, it was the night that they imploded in the ninth inning. Uh, so since that yeah. time, over that time that we're talking about, the last week, uh, I'm just talking about those seven days. Although the, there's not a lot of difference between those seven days and the rest of the year. No. Uh, they're 28th in runs scored, OPS, and average, and they're 29th in slugging for that seven-day stretch, and their pitching is 22nd ERA with 5.86 ERA. I can't believe that's 22nd. I can't believe there's eight teams worse than that. And then uh, they're, uh, the on-base or the, uh, the opponent's batting average is 287. They're almost get, they're almost hitting 300 against them. Is that uh, a problem? Good for 20. I, I've heard. I've heard. Of, you know. No. So, so what the hell is wrong with this team, Kyle? Uh. I, I have so many thoughts, so many ways, so many things I could say that, I mean, my, my thoughts even right now as we're talking about this are just spiraling, just out of control. I could point the finger and everything. Of course, like I said, I, I'm just a talking head. I'm not a baseball mind, apparently, but apparently all you need to do to be a baseball to work, for, a baseball mind to work for the Cardinals is... Uh, Get this computer that yeah, I got right here. Yeah, the computer you have and just maybe have heard of the game. Yeah. Um, and then know how to go to the analytics page. I'm still going to go back to what I talked about in episode one, our first show. Consistency. Zero consistency with the lineup. Zero. And some players get special treatment and some don't. And if this is a standard... Case in point. That Case in point? Yeah, give me a case in point. So why is, like you even said before the show, why does Dylan Carlson get a chance to bat against um, his weak side? I can't think right now because I'm so frustrated. His but weak Nolan side? Norman doesn't get a chance to bat against left-handed pitchers. Yeah, so his weak side is from the left side as a switch hitter. Okay, so he can't hit thought. right-handers, which he faces 75% of the time. But then to have Marmol come out and say, well, you know, he's got, got to work on that. Well, why can't Nolan Gorman work on that? Is he never going to ever face left-handed pitching in his Nolan, major league career? No, he's going to be a platoon player the rest of his career. And then, so why are we taking uh, Nolan Gorman out the other day and letting Taylor Motter bat for him? <laughs> why, so, why is Taylor Motter on the Major League roster? <laughs> I don't know. Even to look at him, it's like, I'm not picking you for my softball team. I would pick him for a bar fight. 
I wouldn't pick him for a bar. Well, no, he's got long hair. Somebody's going to yank it. Yeah. Well, maybe. So. But I wonder if he's got tats. If he has some tats and we go in sleeveless with the long hair. Could be. He's a guy. So. I. You know, there's so many ways. I, consistency, like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. And so I messaged my. Uh, I still talk to my high, uh, high school baseball coach, and he knows some pretty good baseball minds around the area and throughout. He puts on a, a clinic at uh, Greenville High School called the I-70 Baseball Clinic. He's had Larusa there, Matheny, the LSU head coach. So, you know, names that have played the game. Yeah. And I was messaging him, uh, I think I think it was the day of the game you were there, that where they imploded. And I asked him if he knew Marmol, and he said he's talked to him a few times, or just in general, because you know my overall stance on Marmol. And this is one of the nicest guys. You know, he's done a lot for kids. He's been coaching. He's in the Illinois High School uh, Coaching Hall of Fame for baseball and football. So he's not, not, you know, everybody goes, oh, high school, whatever, but still, an accomplishment. And he just called Ali Marmol an arrogant bum. That, that was his words. That's how he described him. <laughs> and... Which, okay, you know, everybody has their feelings on him, but just, I don't know if he's the problem, but I would like to venture just based on the games that we have seen thus far and the moves that he has done in the games, just prove that, to your point we've talked about on the phone, they manage on the analytical numbers, and that's it. Not even the real numbers that are going on. So why is your closer in a game, or supposed to be your closer, which you know, and Ryan Helsley coming in in the seventh inning in a game you're winning. Yeah. So yeah, I want to I want to well, well, I mean, we'll back that, that a little bit. No, I want to do it right now. So kind of what you you know consistency, but and it ties into that consistency. So so I'm not a totally anti Ali Marmel guy. I, I think uh, he has ruined my summer already, <laughs> and it's May fifth. <laughs> I think he has you know just like any young manager who doesn't have a lot of major league managerial experience. He's got manager league, managerial experience in the minors, but he doesn't have it at the major league level. I think there's a learning curve associated with that. And unfortunately, because we keep hiring uh, uh, managers with no major league experience, we have to endure that learning curve. But the consistency piece with me uh, extends to that exact situation that you're talking about. So for those who aren't aware, in, in the Wednesday night game, Cardinals were leading 4-3. to three. Uh, it was the seventh inning. Jordan Hicks was Off pitching. Off Shohei Otani. What yeah. a way to turn it around. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I believe Mike Trout was hitless up to that point in the series. Um, so the, the situation. Yeah, he got hit by pitch too. The situation was two on, two out. Jordan Hicks, who pitched okay, and you know, first time he's had a high leverage since they kind of changed his role. Yeah, didn't really do anything he, too terrible. Yeah, well, they kept calling a lot of sliders. I know you, <laughs> the. Pitch calling has been bad this year. Anyway. Is that on Contreras um, or the dugout? I don't know. Okay. Well, but so, I throw 130, so I just want to throw sliders all day long. Yeah, let's go 89. Or he's throwing 93. Let's speed up the other guy's bat. Exactly. So he so he goes to the he goes to the, the mound, he pulls Hicks in the seventh, and he puts in Helsley. Okay, and the thought process behind that is I want to send in my best guy in the high leverage situations with, you know, in a four three game, two on, two out. You got to get that out, right? Of course. Don't have a huge problem yeah, with that. Absolutely. Don't have a huge problem with that. And that's kind of a shift in major league thinking that's come over in other teams over recent years. That your 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 go to guy is used in a specific situation, not just to pitch the ninth. 
so he, he, he gets a, I think he got a strikeout, I can't remember, but he got the out. Um, I'm pretty sure it was a K. You're talking about Helsley now? Yeah. He threw 10 pitches. Well, we're not there yet. Oh, okay. So he, he gets the out. He goes out for the next inning. He leaves him in there for the eighth inning, which in and of itself is something because Helsley, you know, rarely extends. Uh, and I got you. It's they, not really extending. They have a pill for that. Yeah. He's a young man. <laughs> What's the clinic? The Mayo. No. No, no, the one here in town. Uh, Victory Men's Health. Victory Men's Health. Bernie Meckless yeah. talks about it on yeah. uh, 590. Yeah. So does Jamie Rivers. Uh, <laughs> There's a lot of sports people in St. Louis that need Victory Men's What's going on? What's Are in the these water? people still married? What's going on with the Mississippi? Yeah. Um, so anyway, it's dirty. Helsley comes back out for the eighth, and he only throws six pitches. So he's sitting at ten pitches, right? So then it comes to the ninth card, still up four to three. And he makes the switch, and he brings in Giovanni Gallegos to close out the game in the ninth. So, you know, big, a lot of people wondered, even on air, I think Chip Carey and Brad Thompson are having a discussion, because I wasn't watching the game, I was at the game, about the fact that he's only thrown 10 pitches, he could probably extend. But but it's really about getting a pitcher up, uh, especially a relief pitcher. Wait, did you say he could really stop, extend stop, and get the pitcher up? S- stop, sir. Okay. Uh, you said so getting him up to start to warm up again. <laughs> Um, several times. You, you typically don't do that for a uh, a type of pitcher who's considered a closer. Right. You don't you don't do that with him uh, to go to a third inning. So I don't have a huge problem with this decision either. He brings Gallegos in, who has pitched good. He only gave up one earned run up until that point, and I think eleven or in, ten or eleven innings. Um, and he goes in, and, and Gallegos just explodes. And but anybody who knows Gallegos kind of has a history over his career here of just having these implosion moments. So he goes in. Uh, Jake Lamb leads off the bottom of the ninth, or the top of the ninth with a home run to tie the game. He gets one out. Mike Trout comes up, hasn't had a hit the whole series. He hits the go-ahead home run. Shohei Otani doubles, uh, and then uh, Anthony Rendon comes up, hits a single. The cards are down 6-4. They come in the bottom of the ninth. They go down 1-2-3. Uh, they had 17 Ks in that game, by the way. Um, and so Impressive. so then the big the big controversy is well should should he have not done it? and when they do the post game interview with Gallega or with uh, Marmol he talks about the fact that you know what's wrong with Gallegos coming in and closing out the ninth he's been our best guy out of the bullpen you know his numbers are he specifically said in the interview his numbers are even better than Gallegos he's done better at closing whether it's the splits don't matter left or right and so my question then becomes wait a minute now you've just contradicted yourself you said that situation in the seventh is a high leverage point. Wouldn't you want your top guy coming in at that high leverage point, quelling that? Especially when you have the lead. <coughs> when you have the lead, why? Why can't? Why couldn't Gallegos come in before? Why couldn't you leave Hicks in one morning and see? Because Hicks wasn't in trouble. Well, yeah, but, but but Hicks can get in trouble pretty quick. He can't. So you give him one hitter. But the but the point is change. the point oh, is okay. you said that Gallegos is your best guy out of the pen right now. This right. is a high leverage make or break point. So you, why wouldn't you put him in the seventh? Why wouldn't you put him in the seventh? Let him pitch the eighth and bring Helsley in to close the ninth. Helsley is the self. Is he really the closer? Nobody knows. They're, Allegedly. So, so in the seventh inning, we're having the lights of Bush Stadium go down, flames coming up, and Hell's Bells being played for a for a long relief guy. But there's still six outs to go. Are you, for a long relief guy, that's yeah. closer stuff. That's a closer presentation. I know it's the PA the PA section of the of the Cardinals doing this, but that's closer stuff. That's Mariana yeah. Rivera. That's Trevor Hoffman. Edwin that's you Diaz. walk into the ninth, game over. Edwin Diaz, yeah. yeah. Although he's not doing it this year, but it's but a that's celebration. So. It goes back to the, what you just talked about, about consistency. When you come to the park, a player wants to know what his role is. 
Okay? Who's the guy that's going to come in and shut it down that? Because those three outs in the ninth are not the same as three outs in any other inning. No. you got to have the right mentality for it. And I don't know. I'm not sure Giovanni Gallegos is the guy that has a mentality because he's done that several times where he blew up like that. He blew it too. goes back to consistency in what you do, whether it's the lineup in the outfield, which is shuffled all over the place, or it's a situation like that. You want to know who uh, World Baseball Classic blew the Mexico-Japan game? Uh, let me guess, Giovanni Gallegos. It was, yeah. Oh, how about it that? Was, yeah, funny. Um, yeah, I just—it's so. So my wife, which whose birthday is tomorrow, by the way. Happy birthday. Yeah, Sherry. happy birthday, Sherry. She puts up a a, a lot for me. Beautiful lady, of course. You know me. Living with me is probably not. Well, you never lived with me. Whoa. but It can't be easy. At ease. It's not easy. <laughs> but anyways, it's. Sherry gets, you know, she knows I love the Cardinals, and this is why I get, I get so just down. This is our summer. Cardinals baseball, yeah. the lake, and the pool is the summer. And to be in this situation in May before our pool is even open, first world problems I know. Not, you know, you can play your fiddles or whatever. <laughs> it's almost like so much, like a piece of me has been taken out. Like I'm not depressed or anything, but it's, I have zero desire right now. Good thing you're going to get that MLB package so you can watch other teams while you're in the pool. I have zero desire to watch a Cardinals game right now. I'm not saying they don't have good players. I don't want to go right now and see Arenado's just terrible swing. Uh, I like Goldschmidt. I think he's a great person. And he's still producing. But anyways, to to, to go – he is. But to go back to what we were even talking about is I'm – because I think all the other Cardinal fans in the St. Louis media are even frustrated too. It's like – you can't even comment on what the coaching staff's thought process is because it really appears there is none. It appears that there's a spin the wheel, and I'm going to put the the, the, the the tail on the donkey and hope that it's close because, like we talked about, like even said a couple minutes ago when I was, we were talking about Alec Burleson, and you said, well, they're managed to what the analytical numbers, not what the um, real numbers are. So my question, where's the eye test? Where is the feel for the game? Where is the baseball mind? Where is the, yes, your computer program says that, but this guy's rolling. I'm going to let him go. Shouldn't that be your bench coach doing that? It should be, but how much say does he have? Yeah, I don't know. And, you know, we got Willie McGee, and he's not the bench coach. Joe McEwing's the bench coach. But we got Willie McGee in that dugout, who's a baseball man through and through, you know, and played in a different era and understands that. So do you think he's just getting trumped? Well, by Ollie. Uh, well, Ollie's the guy. I mean, you know, maybe it goes back to that arrogance you talked about earlier. I, I tell you what. Why is Ollie the guy? Somebody make a case in point for me. I don't care whatever lawyer you got to use. Why Ollie is the guy? Yeah, I don't know if you can add comments on this, but add comments on. Yeah, if somebody anywhere knows, we got phone numbers eventually. I'll give you my phone number. I don't give a crap. <laughs> Look us up on Facebook. Leave a note on their Facebook page why you think Ollie Marmol is the guy. Yeah, so. Uh, you know, and Marmol, let me tell you, uh, again, I said I'm not a Marmol hater, but I want consistency. But I'll tell you, after that Wednesday night game, he did something that kind of got to me a little bit, got under my skin a little bit. The uh, At the end of that game, well, not even at the end of the game, during the ninth inning when Gallegos was imploding, uh, the boos in that stadium, I've never heard them that loud. That was a story. I've never that heard That was a story. The game wasn't a story. The story was if, like, Derek Gould and Randy Carricker, who yep. was at the game, going, yep. I have been covering Cardinals baseball since the late 70s. I have never heard a team booed off the field 
as loud as it just happened right now. Yeah, and it happened as they went back. You know, they got the third out against the Angels. They went back in. They had their at bat, and when the game ended, it was a, it was a chorus of boos serenading them. So of course, somebody asked. I think it was Ben Fredrickson asked uh, Marmol about it after the game, and he got pretty testy about it. You know, questioning. He kind of flipped it, reversed it, and said, "What do you on really the fans?" Think? Yeah, it's like, do you think that? Our, our guys don't care as much as the fans. Is that what you're saying? And, you know, talked a lot about, you know, every one of the coaches and every one of the players is solely invested. That's all they think about is improving this team. Well, then show it. For God's yeah. sake, show it. And, and and the one thing, then he, then he said, you know, I've been in this, I've been with this organization for 17 years. I'm, you know, basically saying I'm a company man. I'm like, hey, dude, I went to my first game in 1979. And, by the way, you're getting paid to do it. And we're putting money into it. It's kind of like when you go to a restaurant and you get bad service. You let them know. You let them know. Is it my? Is it my? Should I just be quiet about it and take that bad service and that bad product? No, I'm gonna let them know. So, I'm not a math magician right now, so I apologize. Math magician? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mathematician. I'm not a mathematician or a math magician. I'm not magic with numbers. Yeah, I said what I said. (laughs) Deal with it. Yeah. What's 36 minus 17? 36 minus 17 is 19, sir. So, Arlie Marmol was in the Cardinals organization at 19? Yeah, he got drafted. Yeah, and he yeah. sucked ass. You want to hear something awesome? Yeah, tell me. So, Arlie Marmol played low A ball. No, pro ball player, sure, I get it. Michael Jordan played double A. Michael Jordan had a higher batting average than Arlie Marmol. <laughs> Maybe we should have him as the coach. Why not? So, when you but to go back to what you're saying at that presser, I'm going to say this. No. The players do not care as much as the fans. And I'm going to tell you why. Because the players aren't invested in the city. There's not any one of them from St. Louis. When people around the United States, and especially in baseball, and even, when you hear St. Louis, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Other than maybe the Gateway Arch. Well, the first thing that happens is they ask you where you go to high school. True. And what part of the city you're from. But... Everybody in St. Louis is known for it's known for Cardinals baseball. Yes, the fans, I get it. You know, it's frustrating. We're so used to having a pretty good product and oh the whole Cardinal way, et cetera, et cetera. I get that. But to sit there and say the players they don't care about the city, they care about wins and losses, which is fine. And the city and Cardinals fans like myself, we can have a good or bad day based on a Cardinals win or based if your favorite player does well. That's like a feel good. Yeah, does it dictate if I'm, you know, I'm not going to be super upset about it, but when I see a trend like this, it is super upsetting. And then to hear the the, the manager, you know, like you said, reverse it back on the fan base, yeah. and that that is there's no call, for, and that's the second time now he's getting testy. So it makes me want to test the character of this guy. Yeah, and then Flaherty last night got got kind of crappy with the media as well. I think well, actually I think that was Ben Fredrickson as well, but he asked him a question about it, and you know. Is essentially asking him, you know, are you are you shocked that uh, this team is underperforming with the talent that it has? And he he kind of flipped it and said, well, you know, is there any other, is that what you think? We, we're not shocked. I mean, is there any other way to feel? How am I supposed to answer that? He just got, you know, in Jack Flaherty hasn't really endeared himself to the St. Louis. Uh, but dude could leave team, anytime. I'll buy him a plane the city. ticket. I'll buy him a plane um, ticket. I. I'm not a Jack. I'll tell you, if anybody that I've been hard on for the last three years is Jack Flaherty. Rightfully so. He has an arrogance and an attitude like he's Nolan Ryan and Sandy Koufax combined, and the dude had a half a good year. And two. Has been he's, had, he's had two half good years. Exactly. So that equates to a year. Yeah. And then two and a 
what was it yesterday, two and a third and accounted for ten yeah. runs? Yeah, good outing. Yeah, he gave up ten hits. To, and that's two straight outings. He's got shelled. And I mean, shelled. I don't wish bad it on anybody, like, but it is It looked like trench warfare in thing. World War One. I. I mean, just, oh, it's <laughs> awful. Mortar fire coming in. From a baseball mind and the guy who, like I said, he could be a decent person. I've heard that he's not from people that have been around the clubhouse. Uh, kind of a real arrogant, typical, I guess people would say, California style, because that's yeah. where he's from. Like, so I'm not stereotyping everybody out there. Nothing makes my heart happy to see him just get chilled. I think it's well. It doesn't make my heart happy. Not for the Cardinals, but but for him. What would make me happy is to see him leave. I have no problem, and I haven't had. I said two years ago, I was saying you need his while his value is up, you need to get rid of this guy. One, you're not going to be able to resign him. Two, get some value for him before his arm goes out. Oh, look at there. Um, So, and his his trade value is shit right now. Yeah. Um, all of our players' trade value is shit. But even that, so let, speaking of like changing personalities or per, personnel, the, uh, there was an article today that said three possible managers if Marmol leaves. Well, I'm sure Stubby so, Clap was number one, I'm sure. Uh, no, it was uh, Joe Madden. I love Joe Madden. I do too. I'm not saying he'd be great, but he might get him out of the, the fix or just a different climate if you but Great. He's a great dude for creating clubhouse culture, though. Right, and that's what you maybe need, just some camaraderie. So if, let's just say, Detroit's in town this weekend, they start in a couple hours. If Detroit sweeps the Cardinals, does Marmol keep his job? I don't think Marmol's going anywhere. So what do you do? Just continue to lose? Continue yeah. the shit? Yeah, I think that uh, if, if you're looking at anything, you might see some assistance. I, I got no idea why they have Dusty Blake. The guy has no experience whatsoever. His team can't finish anybody off. The two, the, you know what the opponent batting average is with two strikes on this team? It's like three hundred with two strikes. Really good. It's atrocious. Really, really good. Um, and a lot of those are one, two, two, two. With yeah. The away. They cannot finish people. And Flaherty actually admitted to that last night that they're having trouble with that. But I mean, no. Stephen Matz. I, I just think you got to make some drastic changes. I mean, they they did a little bit today, but it's really nothing drastic. Um, you know, Wainwright's coming back to pitch on Saturday. What's that going to do? Wainwright's a 41, 42-year-old. What is, how old is he? 42? 42. He's a 42. 42-year-old pitcher who throws a 85-mile-an-hour fastball. And got shelled in minor league. And got lit up in double-A. I mean, he's not the savior that's going to fix this starting rotation. Um, they don't have any – I mean, they got a couple of young guys down in the minors that you could bring up, but not, and there's not going to be a major trade pulled off in May. I, I just – we're in for a long summer, I think. Because this yeah. rotation, which admittedly everybody was shaky about, but look what you actually went into the season with. A 42-year-old ace, I guess you were calling him, right? Whose arm went shit in September last year. Yeah. Jack Flaherty, who can't stay healthy, has had two half seasons. And, he's coming, off, and he's coming off some bad arm problems. You, you had runs every two innings. Jordan Montgomery, who has actually pitched decent. Uh, I'll give him some props. Yeah. Steven Matz, who was terrible as a free agent signing last year and has some track record of being kind of tough. He gets hit a lot. We got him for four more years. We got him for two more years. He's a four-year contract. We got him for two more years. Uh, He's only been here one. Well, counting this year. Uh, um, oh, yeah, that's right. I see. Yeah, um, and then we got... You know what, Jake Woodford. I mean, he's he's going to be relegated. He's gone. He's down to the that. minors today. So I mean, and what do you got? You got Matthew Libertor down in Memphis, who could come up, but they didn't call him up. They called up a, a, a bullpen arm because they're counting for Wainwright coming back. I mean, it's just it's not bright. The future is not bright at it's all. It's a recipe. Uh, 
it's a recipe for a 71 season is exactly what it is if if that if that if that they're on pace to lose 111 games right now here's the problem Cardinals fans will still go yep and they'll still yeah. make money and it well get down to all of it so another reason I don't totally blame Marmol for all of this I don't totally blame is him, is the reluctance to to go out and retool the team over the offseason okay and a lot of people are pointing for Mosaic and there's a lot of hate for Mosaic in this town Captain Bowtie um <laughs> But ultimately, that's not his issue. It's because the ownership who sets the budget doesn't allow for him to go out and chase high high dollar free agents. Not that the and, and I'll you know Mosaic came out over the winter and talked a little bit about that. He goes, well you know what was out there didn't really match what we were looking for in the amount of money. And I agree with that. I 100% agree with that. Uh, but it's but the problem is it's not just about this past off season it's about every off season yeah like we've talked about on the last show the inability to draft develop star players lately. nobody they haven't drafted and developed anybody now you have to go out spend money on somebody that maybe was a missed draft or was it Randy Flora no it's just this has been a ticking time bomb for a long time and I think this year is it's finally going off yeah. I think the problem is though is what was told to us you go down the lineup. You have There's some talent. good players. There's talent there that should hit, but even overall, you good players snap out of this. And there's something. I like I said, I wish I was a fly on the wall. There is something going on where these players. I'm not saying don't want to play because they're individual stats. Obviously, they're out there. At some point, every professional athlete is out there for themselves to coordinate with the team or to play well for the team. But there's got to be something going on because even if players are as good as they are, should be individually matched together, you can't suck this long. Yeah. You you, you just can't. Yeah, player execution, uh, going out there every day, just like I was talking about, but the you know two strikes on somebody. Stephen Matz, if he gets two strikes on somebody, he's going upper middle. He's he's gonna he's cutting the middle of the plate. Belt high That's the same with a fastball or a, or a shitty curveball that he throws, and he's going to get hit. With all but of there's them. been zero player execution, w- with a couple of exceptions. I mean, not a lot of exceptions. I mean, Gorman has played well. Big bright spot. Yeah, uh, against righty. Goldschmidt's still hitting the ball well. I yeah, mean, but Goldschmidt has just proven a crusty, rusty, red but, ass. But with player. that, you know, and, and it, it feeds into but where's his who, who? Yeah, he isn't it for power. Who is the leader of this team? Who? We talked about that the last show. You can't find one because you get Nolan Arenado that calls out the fans a little bit earlier in the week and says, I don't know, basically saying, I don't know why the people are upset. There's still a lot of baseball to be played. I'm like, you're 10 games out to the Pirates. Um, what? Who have dropped four straight, by the way. True. We knew the Pirates would come down to earth. So yeah. I think people are probably banking on, oh, the Central is still up for grabs, which it very may, obviously, mathematically, it very well is. But like you said, I, I'm not for attitudes like Manny Machado and the red ass and Contreras, but there, like, I would love to see a player just go ballistic, kind of like Kyle Schwarber did on Angel Hernandez early last year. Yeah, and just chuck, I mean, because but, here's the thing: why not? You yeah. never. What, why can't somebody do that late in the game? Yeah, and so the only one I see showing any fire is it's Wilson Contreras. Yeah, but he comes with that history. Yeah, That's I like kind it. Of a I like it. Hey, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all I'm all in on Wilson Contreras getting pumped up. The other night he did it in, on the Wednesday night game. He hit a double. 
got fired up yelling come on to everybody else in the mm-hmm. dugout. I don't see anybody else doing that. Yeah. Nobody. Well, because they're tired of grinding pepper for a guy who's batting 220. He had four hits last night. Well, he did have four hits, so he's probably up to like 230. He's 260. He's up to 260. Oh, well, good for him. <laughs> I don't, like I said, but case in point, and he's my guy. You know he's my guy. The game you were at yeah. when O'Neill came in and he came in to play defense and he had that at bat. The one where he, he you were there, he started to walk towards first, take off his little arm thing. Mm-hmm. And that ball got called a strike. And you you know, you were there, I don't know your angle. I was watching. I wasn't TV. a good angle, I couldn't see it. That ball was five inches off the plate. Yeah. So in the when he popped out after that or something, which you know, he still was you know, he was three oh, missed his pitch, three one. But, you know, leadoff walk is huge and then just sit there and just bend over and t- I'm not saying he had to get thrown out there into his bat, but after his last one, you gotta say something and yeah. just go because he got robbed a base runner. Yeah. And I just, like I said, just somebody blow off some steam. Yeah, That's so it. so we're, we're going into the weekend. We got, we're hosting Detroit for three. I'm going to two of the games. Uh, so we'll see where I'm we're sorry. at next week. And uh, hopefully, hopefully we got more uh, happy news to report next week. Yeah. Hey, you know, last week, you know, switching, switching subjects a little bit, um, we talked about Masataki Yoshida. So we totally butchered his name last week, by the way. That's a dude from Boston that hit two home runs oh, yeah, in yeah. one inning, right? That's a pretty rare feat, right? Yes. But what a great name. Yeah, it's awesome. Just flows. Masataki Yoshida. I mean, the dude sounds like, I mean, not to be too stereotypical, but like, I'm going to be a samurai ninja. And he could I'm, be. I'm going to cut your head off. He could be. He could be. He could serve the Do you think his, he struck out? Tom Selleck and Mr. Baseball, which is a great movie, by the way, which we need to do a bit about that on baseball movies. But oh, anyway, I don't know. Maybe, maybe could have been. But it got me thinking about, uh, like, the rarest in-game, you know, plays or activities that, that happen. What do, what, do you think is, what do you think is the rarest, rarest? instance it could be it could be a pitcher, it could be a hitter, it could be a base runner, any of those things. We're talking baseball or any sport? Yeah, just baseball, just baseball. Oh, you didn't tell me it's that. It's the only sport that matters. It's the only sport that you didn't tell me the rarest thing. I yeah. mean, automatically, then the you know Fernando Tatis, April twenty third, Dodger Stadium, two grand slams in one inning. It's only happened once in baseball history. And it's on my birthday. That's yeah. that's destiny. You know, also, you know, you do realize by that he's also the only guy that's had eight RBIs in it. Today. Cool. That's usually what happens You're when you hit grand slams. <laughs> You're welcome. I, I I may not be a Math magician, but I do know that four and four is eight. <laughs> yeah, that's only happened once. There's a couple other things that have only happened once. A lot of people think, like, the rarest uh, uh, play in baseball is the unassisted triple play. How many times do you think that's happened? Take a guess. The unassisted? Unassisted triple play. One person turning. Okay, give me a fielder. It doesn't matter. I would say once at most, maybe twice. It's 15 times it's happened. Has it happened 15 times? 15 times, yeah. That's like some people's sex life. Yeah. It's only 15 It's times. the exact same number as the number of perfect games. So they're, it's equally With rare. an asterisk, because we talked about it earlier. Yeah. Galarraga from Detroit. Has one. <laughs> that doesn't count. It does count. They don't get an asterisk. So that would be 16, you're saying? There's also some stats out there that say 17 because of some different rules early in the in early baseball and all that. Oh, yeah. You also get Harvey Haddix's game because he went, you know, to like the 13th inning or whatever. That's true. Um, so... Also, one time. To the listeners who may not know, what would an unassisted triple play, what could that constitute? What do you mean? What does it constitute? Lay one out for me. Uh, For maybe our listeners at first. Runners at first and second. Okay. uh, Go on the pitch, line drive to the shortstop. Shortstop touches second, throws over to first. 
that's not unassisted. No, that's not unassisted. That's not unassisted. No, tags tags the uh, tags the runner, then throws. You you tell it. Oh my gosh, I'm butchering it. Uh, you are butchering it. Yeah. Go ahead. So then. I mean, it, it's really tough. So I mean, you have to think about it. So you have to have two runners on. Yep. So line drive, batted ball to the shortstop, caught, batter's out. Then there would have to be a base running snafu, which the way that I would see this happening is like a low sinking line drive that the runner on first thinks he's going getting the ball bounced. Or they could have been a hit and run. So he tagged, so the shortstop would tag the base, second base, and And get there before the runner, runner, and then tag the runner. That would constitute unassisted. So that has really happened 15 times. 15 times, yep. That's got to be a better odds of getting attacked by a short. I don't know. Let's look that up next time. Where's Andrew? Yeah, he's not here. Oh, he's grilling yeah, right he's now. He's making got a family tone. He's, uh, he's probably looking at. He's uh, celebrating Cinco de Mayo. He is, well, he's getting out his Braves poster and getting out his lotion. Yeah. <laughs> he's talking about Ronald. Ronald Acuna, Acuna Jr. and his left fielder Austin on the Riley. Um, <laughs> other things that have happened that have only happened once. Nine hits in a game. That's not a Me nine inning game. Nine inning game. Nine. That's not a nine inning game. Seven hits is the, is for a nine inning game. Uh, but nine hits in one game. That is crazy. Nine hits in a game. For a, one player? One player. How do you get nine at bats? Yeah, it's extra inning game. Okay. So I said it's not a nine inning game. So gotcha. But nine hits in a game. That's good. That'll help your BA. Here's here's three things. That has more than a lot of Cardinals <laughs> players have hits yeah, in it's a whole year. <laughs> uh, three things that have happened. Four triples in a game. Five intentional walks in a game. Three inside the parkers in a game. That's crazy right there. <laughs> One player. Was that at the polo grounds? I don't know. Um, on the pitching side, uh, only once has a pitcher had ten consecutive strikeouts on a, on a batter. Guess yes. who that was? Oh, gosh. It was Tom Terrific. Yes. Tom I, it, people have gotten nine pretty close here lately. Yeah. Well, there was an immaculate inning the other night, by the way. Was there? Yeah. A la Ryan Helsley was yeah. last year. Here's one. We're talking about rarities in baseball. The intentional walk with the bases loaded. Yeah, that does not happen very often. Barry Bonds was one. Yeah. Not that long ago. I don't know the number on that one overall. But, but that's rare. Uh, 21 strikeouts by a pitcher in one game. Wow. 1962. Who was it? Tom Chaney for the Senators, 1962. The Senators. God. Yeah. Uh, now the Texas Rangers. I have, uh, I have an extra. Two triple steals in the same game by one team. Runner first, second, and third, they all steal. So home got stole twice in that game. Question, crazy baseball rule. <laughs> crazy baseball rule. If they both, if everybody goes, is it a force out at the plate? Or is it still a tag play? Because I guess it has to be tag play because no, you're not forced. It's tag play, it's not a force. It's a steal. So See, this is the why Philadelphia baseball A's, is so great. 1930. Connie Mack? Yeah, Connie Mack is. And then uh, this one's more recent. Uh, same base runner caught stealing four times in one game. Who was that? Robbie Thompson, who San threw, Francisco Giants, who, 1986. Who threw him out? I don't know. I don't know. But Robbie, help Robbie Thompson was a great ball player, man. Sometimes great it, ball sometimes, player. And that's the thing about if he was playing for Marmol, he'd be benched for a week. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'd be on the IL <laughs> like Tyler O'Neill is right now. We're going to talk about that. Do you really? So speaking of that, do you think he's actually hurt, or they just no? Did he's not hurt. That's a roster move. Man. So. He might be gone. That might be definitely the trade to a trade. So let me ask you this. If they do that to you, does the player have every right to sue the organization for... Well, that, that's some Kurt Flood stuff, man. Yeah. I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. 
We'll see. Can I bring up some rarities, though, just in regular yeah, sports why not? real quick? Absolutely. So I want to bring this up. I'm going PGA Tour. I'm going golf. <laughs> Hear me out. All right. Hear me out. You're a golfer, so you... Oh, I loved it. Well, you you have clubs. I don't know. You you're you're a farmer. I'm a hacker. You're a, you're a sod buster. I'm a hacker. <laughs> the old I'm business. a grave digger. Oh my god. <laughs> Jesus. So we're gonna go back to 2001. Andrew McGee, Phoenix Open. Andrew McGee. Andrew McGee. Is he Irish? Now he's Scottish. The, now on the he's something. Scottish. Now on the tee, Andrew McGee, uh, Phoenix Open. Ready for this one? Uh. Hole in one on a par four. Wow. And you want to know how it happened? He's long. Obviously a drivable green. He's long. He doesn't need extends. No, not at all. Maybe the Cardinals pitchers do because they yeah. can't finish anybody. You're right. <laughs> so I saw the highlight. I've seen it before. So the ball wasn't going to go anywhere. This is where it gets even more rare. The ball doesn't go anywhere near the hole. But the, the player, so clearly there's there's players ahead of him on the on the putting surface. His drive bounces off the green, hits a player, goes into the hole. It's in the hole. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And also just because I hate the Bears, the uh, Cody Cody Parkey double doink field goal to miss the uh, playoffs. <laughs> I have to throw that out there. Left upright. Uh, are you are you saying that's never happened? No, I'm just bringing it up. Oh. <laughs> I mean, you were so good. You literally didn't make the field goal, but you hit two-thirds of the poles that were up there that are, that are by the diameter, uh, that are smaller than the diameter of the uh, of the football, and that kept you out of the playoff. Right on. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's take a break. Let's do it. Uh, this is 90 Feet Apart. I'm Chris. Indeed we are. I'm Kyle. We are 90 Feet Apart. Welcome back for our comeback for our last segment. And we're back here on 90 Feet Apart, and uh, gonna go to our segment we like to call "What the Hell." What the hell? Oh my God! Maybe that was a "What the Hell." That's I mean, it's Cinco, it's Cinco de Mayo. Yeah, I'm happy. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. Devil's El Diablo is. Yeah. Uh, so, I gotta, no, so I got a couple. I, I got a "What the Hell" that I want to talk about. I was at. Yeah, I know. I was yeah, at, my what the hell is quit moving away from your microphone. Sorry, man. I got, <laughs> I get my, I'm getting in my rhythm. <clears throat> so Wednesday night at the Cardinal game, they announced the 2023 Hall of Fame class. Ooh. Uh, which includes Max Lanier, who's uh, you know kind of like the Veterans Committee election. Yeah. No problem with that one. You know, great record with the Cardinals, uh, a World Series champion. Uh, several years with the organization. Jose Okendo, the secret weapon, Ooh. was elected in. Why did it take um, him this long? Yeah, so, I mean, he's a George Kissel Award winner from the from the organization. Why isn't he? Played here a club? long time, been a, been a, been in the organization forever. Coach, third base coach. Uh, he's, in, he's an instructional, roving instructional. Fantastic. Yeah, he's unbelievable. Just a great ball player. You know, there's been a lot of players on the Cardinals who've talked about how much they've learned from Jose. Okay. I mean, great choice. Great choice from an organizational standpoint, someone who's given a lot to the organization. And then the third pick is David Freeze. I'm sorry? David Freeze. Yeah. Hall of Fame? Yes. David Freeze. David Freeze. So, David Freeze. We will see you tomorrow night. Yeah, David that, Freeze. Th- that guy. Yeah. Hall of Fame. Okay, sorry. So, David Freeze, I'm not so sure Hall of Fame. Is, did he have a Hall of Fame moment? Yes. Did he? I mean, he had a. I mean, that's a major league baseball Hall of Fame moment. Oh, the, yeah. the walk-off in 2011 in Game 6. Um, he And not only did he have that, he had a great World Series 
Uh, he had a he had a great postseason that year. He did. You know, he just killed the ball, drove yeah. it all kinds of runs, clutch hits. Um, he was an all star with the Cardinals, but overall, not a body of work that screams Hall of Fame. When you compare everybody else that's there, I mean, Steve Carlton was on that ballot this year. Edgar Renteria was on that ballot this year. These are guys that had, you know, Edgar Renteria, I think he was here five years, and all of them were good. All of them. Uh, Carlton won like 67 games or something when he was here in, in, in just a few years because yeah. then he went to the Phillies and had a Hall of Fame career. Yeah, sure did. So my what the hell is, why David Freeze? So I'm going to do two what the hells to that, and I'm going to give you a rebuttal why Edgar Renteria is not on the um, oh my. Cardinals Hall of Fame. All right. Or not the Cardinals Hall of Fame, why he won't get voted out. Yeah. Who did he replace? Well, he didn't really replace the Wizard. That's not accurate. It was Royce Clayton. Yeah, Royce Clayton in between. In. So, but they, but exactly. But Royce Clayton was here for such a short amount of time. Yeah, Clayton was the buffer. Cardinal fans rethink Edgar Renteria got rid of or replaced uh, Ozzie Smith. You think so? Think yes. that's what it is. Yes. Uh-huh. Because you know, like we, we even talked about earlier in the show, Cardinal fans are passionate. We hold on to things. Like I said, we're holding on to the moment because right now. I guarantee every Cardinal fan is going back and watching highlights of we will see you tomorrow night. And let's be real fair. I'm glad they won the World Series that year. His triple should have been caught. Yeah, thank you, Nelly Cruz, for <laughs> thank, bad fielding. Yeah, thank, actually, thank you, Ron Washington, for not bringing a defensive help in the bottom of the night. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, and I guess he didn't look at the numbers. Maybe, but maybe he, he could learn something from Ollie Marmore. Ron Washington liked, liked to be on the white powder a little bit. Yeah, but you know what I like about Ron Washington, real quick? He's gangster. Yes, but he shows emotion. He was on the top step of that World Series. He was clapping with his players every time they got a base. He was getting into it. Yeah. I liked it. Anyways. What's your what the hell? My what the hell is, we're going to stay with baseball. I got two, but the first one, we're going to stay with baseball on this one. What the hell is up with Phil Cuzzy and the... Um, substance uh, on pitchers' hands ejections with Max Scherzer, oh, the most recent yeah. victim. Yeah. Phil Cousy, there's been three ejections now because of uh, since the league has cracked down on pitchers using stuff on their hands for better grip. Yeah. Guess who ejected them all? Phil Cousy. Phil Cousy, our, our cousin, buddy. our buddy, our neighborhood cousin. Yeah. Oh, Phil, five foot four, Phil. Why is he the old? What is he? The effing Sherlock Holmes of... Uh, He's the sticky hand Yes. <laughs> you know who he is? He's Marv from Home Alone. The sticky hands. Uh, the sticky bandits. No, they're the wet bandits. Yeah, but in the Home Alone 2, when they were lost in New York, they were the sticky bandits. <laughs> oh, they changed it up. And you know what? He kind of looks like Ma, uh, Phil Cousy's big brother. Uh, maybe so. So what the hell is up with that, man? It's like, yeah. you're the only one? I mean, yeah. come on. I don't know. But you remember know. when they first did it with Scherzer and they kept challenging him? He was still with the Nationals. He took off his belt. <laughs> he pulled yeah, down his pulled everything. Just, yeah. yeah, so this one's really frustrating because, I mean, just, you know, he claims, you know, he claims, it's pretty believable with Max Scherzer. He seems like a pretty stand-up guy. He's just, he's just that good. Um, rosin. And I saw some uh, I saw some demonstrations on YouTube of a guy who, like, he took sweat and rosin and did a demonstration about how much it made it stick to his hand and put his hand. I mean, he was using gravity because, you know, Isaac Newton's the genius. Apple. And uh, it clearly made a difference in how sticky his hand got. With And so, yeah, they. I think, I'm not sure 100% why the Mets kind of urged Scherzer just to take the suspension because he originally had did the appeal and he dropped it. But uh, I kind of wish he would have pushed the issue a little bit. 
Yeah, but when you're a pitcher, you could just take the suspension. You don't have to miss a start. Yeah. But I, I want to ask this question though, and this is kind this of is again a, another case of umpires injecting, injecting themselves. themselves. So, if we go back to baseball rules, yeah, it says pitchers, you know, can't use anything foreign substance yeah. to alter their like a whatever. rubber wedding ring. Right. <laughs> Jesus. But isn't doesn't rosin help you grip the ball? That's what it's supposed to do. So isn't that out. a blatant? Yeah, it's, it's a okay. So what the hell is that? <laughs> I don't know. Is it just? I don't know. It just makes you say, "What the hell?" You know what else makes you say, "What the hell?" I know we got to move on because we're running low on time. I hate when I'm driving my truck or my vehicle, <laughs> and people are jogging. No offense to them jogging. I'm glad you're getting in shape, taking yeah. care of your body. But you're jogging on the street, and you have a run path, mainly on the base that goes around the uh, perimeter. Yeah. You have a nice run path there, and you're running on the street. So now I have to swerve out of the way, especially if there's oncoming traffic. I have to wait so I can go outside of you. You're angry, sir. Just get your ass on the track. That's why they built it. You're angry, sir. I'm you. I'm just getting started. Your your speed limit is like 15 miles per hour. You want to talk to Mar about Marmol some more? No, we'll make this too. an R-rated show. You know what we need to do? We, <laughs> uh, need, to, we need to talk about the all-time all greats. Yeah. Greats or best? All-time best. Call them legends. Uh, we will, but we say all time best because eventually we're going to talk about like food. Well, when Babe Ruth comes out of a closet, well, what? he goes, Heroes get remembered. <laughs> Come on, I'm talking about the Sandlot. <laughs> says, Heroes get remembered. Yeah. But legends never die. Yeah. Well, or something about the all prom right. queen. What do you got for uh, me this week? Yeah, so let's talk all time best outfield. Ooh, I like it. And it so it's all time best week. outfield. You, you know, three starting outfielders and then you pick a, you know, you pick another one to, to serve as your backup, right? Okay. All right. So uh, you go ahead and start it off. I'll go with whatever you got. Okay. I'm going to go with the probably not, I don't know. There's a lot of people to go, but this is mine. I don't care. And this is probably the hardest one because there's so many so great outfielders. So many good outfielders. And this one's numbers aren't going to suggest that. Don't worry. I got one of that too. Mickey Mantle. Oh, God, his numbers definitely suggest that. Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. But I just felt like I said. I, I wanted to throw you off. I wanted to no. just kind of confuse the Mick. you. The Mick. Do I need to, like, just go through? Yeah, go numbers? ahead. Yeah, no, All right, we'll just go through. Hits. Sense. Hits, 2,415. Uh, 1,509 RBI. Batting at career batting average. Pretty good. 298. You know he's really upset. That was one of his deepest regrets that he wasn't a 300 hitter for his career because he was a 300 hitter most of his didn't career. He, didn't he play like the last game and it dropped him down? And then he, uh, Anyways, that's another, yeah, yeah. another story. And then home runs, 536. Boom. And he's in Oklahoma. And guess what? He grew up a Cardinals fan. And I guarantee he wouldn't stand for the shit that's going on across the river right And he was now. a gazelle. He could run. Yeah. I mean, this guy had well, tons just, of speed. Okay. And, and I've listened to interviews after his career, and it's almost kind of sad because it, with his family problems, his brother yeah. or his uncle's yep. dad having Hodgkin's yep. or whatever. Could you imagine how good he would have been if he didn't play hungover every day? Yeah, it would have been unbelievable. Would there be a better baseball So, player? you know, maybe the most physically gifted player that ever played. Just natural talent. Yeah. Just natural talent. Yeah. So that feeds into my choice, which is the natural. If they, you know, Roy when they made Hobbs. the movie about Roy Hobbs, they were really talking about Teddy Ballgame. Ted Williams. Ooh, good one. Ted Williams, best hitter of all time. I, I There's... Little doubt, you know, you can you compare eras, and that's always an issue. But the, the way I judge it, man, if you ever go to baseballreference.com, right? You go to baseball great reference, website, great go website. there and you look at the stat page, and you can always look at the stat page. And if you led the league 
for the year, or if you led the major leagues, if you led the league for the year, you're in bold. Your stat is in bold. If you if you led the majors that year, you're in italics. Go look at Ted Williams's page. The entire thing is bold, bold. <laughs> italics all over it. It's <laughs> unbelievable. Career 344 hitter. Career. How's that? 344 with 521 home runs. Speaking of that's his career. When was the last time any major league player finished a season at 344? Oh gosh, I don't know. That's a great question. But it's we should look that it's up. Been a bit. Yeah, I'm gonna go look that up. Yes, yeah. great choice. So I'm a done. Okay. Two two triple crowns, right? And the two years he was the triple crown winner, he didn't win the MVP. <laughs> that should be a what the hell on its own. Yeah, exactly. How does that even work? He was, and he was a World War II vet. He was uh, he was second four times for the MVP. He won the MVP twice, right? Second four times, top ten, or top ten twelve times. And oh, by the way, he missed five seasons for the Korean War and World War II, all of them in the prime of his career. So he probably missed out, if you do his like 154, because it was 154 games back then, if you do his projections over that, he missed out on about 1,000 hits and close to 200 home runs, 700 runs, and 700 RBIs. That projects out to, his career RBIs projects out, if you if you base it off that, to like 2,600 RBIs, which is Jeez. 400 more than anybody else in history. 17-time All-Star in 19 seasons. The only time he didn't make it was when he only he had one year where they had like 39 games played because of the war, but he still counted as a season because he played in the season. And his rookie year, which, oh, by the way, he was rookie year that year. Uh, lifetime on-base percentage, his lifetime OBP is 482. Twice he was over 500 for his on-base percentage. In his Greatest season. offensive player ever. Yeah, without question. Six batting titles. Rest my case. So yeah, you don't need to make a case anymore. <laughs> you didn't even say rest my case. But I read a story, and he actually has a book out, Art of Hitting. Yeah, it's great. And he said he was such a great hitter. This is going to blow analytics numbers minds away. All these people right now. You know why he was such a great hitter? He swung at strikes. <laughs> How about that? Weird when you swing at the balls that are over, but his are over the plate. But his ability to recognize a strike, you know, and this is where we can get into this later. I wish the DeLorean and Doc Brown and Marty McFly really existed <laughs> and could get up to 88 miles an hour. Because how fun would it be to go back and see these guys yeah, in their prime and smoke unfiltered cigarettes? <laughs> I need a camel. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. you have to wear a suit to the game. Yeah. All right, mine. Yeah. Great choice. My next, I'm going to throw you another curveball here. Yeah, go ahead. Are you ready for this one? Yeah. Well, Mantle wasn't a curveball. <laughs> All right, I'm going to throw you a screwball because that's the era of time that we're going back to. Oh, okay. Joe Jackson. Shoeless, Shoeless Joe, Joe All right, you Jackson. To, you got a criminal. Good job. But do I need to get Ray Kinsella in here to tell you <laughs> that he wasn't, wasn't a criminal? criminal. <laughs> I mean, he hit, he, uh, he bet, hit, hit the yeah. series only two home runs. Yeah, I'm with you. And they said he's trying to lose. I think Joe Jackson, though. And I looked up, I tried to find his career numbers. They were difficult for me to find. Now, at the time, uh, he, lifetime batting average, 356. Yeah, it's pretty good. In an era, though, where home runs weren't really that prominent, and yep. he batted, uh, he had only 54 home runs. I couldn't find his RBI, stuff like that. And I know some of the nostalgia from Field of Dreams and yeah, Ray Liotta. Yeah, was where triple and went to die. But so, like, was, was Joe Jackson, I want to ask you this question, was he ahead of his time? Probably. I mean, was he just one of those just super gifted athletes that would would have been better off playing? And was he born too early? Like, would he yeah, would have played so. with like the you know the thirty? And what do you think his career would have been if it wasn't for the Black Sox scandal? 
Yeah, I mean, we'd be talking about him. He'd be a Hall of Fame, and we'd be talking about him yeah. as one of the best hitters that ever lived. He was lifetime three fifty six back then. It's pretty good. And, I mean, and home runs back then. See, people talk about oh well, home runs. You know, the hitters back then. People need to remember ballparks back then were huge. They were caverns, and the ball was mesh. Yeah, and the they didn't was, switch them out. That's a big thing. Right, so. yeah. There wasn't any, yeah. When you caught a foul ball back then, it had to come back in. So these ball, it wasn't like a brand new golf ball that these guys get. Anyways, so I'm going Joe Jackson. It's a good choice. It's a really good choice. Um, for, you know, so I'll go around. So I went left field. I'm going to go center field. I got Willie Mays in center field. I mean, say, hey, kid, 24-time All-Star. That's ridiculous. 660 homers, 339 stolen bases, 12 gold gloves, 3,000 hits two-time MVP, 12 times top 10. But more than anything, he made baseball look fun. You know, I talked to my, I even called my dad talking about this. I go, Dad, who was the best baseball player you, you ever saw? And he said two, and both of them are on my list. One of them was Willie Mays. And one of the reasons why was Willie Mays made it look fun, and he made it look really easy. Yeah. So much style, so much panache. I mean, just so- just a really cool dude. And the guy that would go out and play stickball with kids in the street. I mean, right. that's awesome. So my whenever I mean great choice obviously you know you have to pick Willie Mays and Willie Mays Hayes, but drove <laughs> a Volkswagen Beetle. Every time I think of Willie Mays, when I hear the name Willie Mays, I go back to that black and white clip of his over the shoulder catch. The catch was phenomenal. Dick Wirtz, that's who hit it. His hat fell off and he turned around and already threw the ball before his hat hit the ground. Yeah. So he caught the ball at a full sprint over the shoulder. Planted, threw it back in before. I'm, it, well, the throw was what was amazing. The catch, yeah. I mean, I think Jimmy Edmonds made the best catch I've ever seen in the well, major leagues. Because he played shallow center field. Whatever, I don't care yeah. what it is, but uh, that catch he made diving straight out. I mean, a lot of people have made that same catch Willie Mays has made uh, it, since that happened. But, but not the wherewithal to turn, well, not in that situation either in, in the World Series in 1994. Right. But to make that catch, get the ball in and so the runners couldn't advance and everything. Because that was in the polo grounds, which is enormous. Yeah. He was, so. in, he was in another, the polo grounds had two area codes, I think. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, who you got? Oh, well, you know, I have to go with the obvious before I get into my backup. Hank Aaron, maybe. Oh, Hammer. Gotta go. You gotta go Hank Aaron. Henry. Henry Aaron. Henry Hank Aaron. Sorry. He didn't like to be called Hank. Oh, I don't care. Hank. Probably. This is our show. Wait, is it amazing that the guy with the second most home runs in history is considered underrated? <laughs> See, but that's another. That's another thing that drives me nuts about baseball. We can talk about baseball writers and stuff like that. Yeah. Seven hundred fifty-five home runs, uh, three thousand seven hundred seventy-one hits, with a career batting average of three oh five. Amazing stat. If you took every single home run that Henry Aaron ever hit off his record, still has 3,000 hits. So you're saying he's a complete hitter? Yep. Is that what you're getting And at? he could play. He could play defense. He could run, too, when he was young. You ever want to read a good book? We talked about that earlier. Be shaking your head. No, but it's a baseball book. Does the, it have pictures? The la- yes, it does. Oh. The Last Warrior by Howard Bryant. Uh, it's about Henry Aaron. Fantastic so, book. Question for you. We could talk about this leading into another show, but I yeah. want to get it on record for the people. We go through these all-time greats, and they're all-time greats because it's that good. Yeah. But will there ever be a baseball player in the rest of our lifetime after Albert Pujols that puts up numbers like this? I think so. Yeah. That's the one thing baseball always, always puts up guys. No, I don't think Shohei's going to put up the career numbers like that um, because I think at some point he's going to run into durability issues. But I think somebody like Ronald Acuna Jr. could. 
So at what point? Is Shohei going to be a pitcher or a hitter? I think he's going to be a hitter. Because he already had arm problems once. DeWitt's bringing him over. <laughs> Whatever. Um, he likes to pepper. Who's who I got next? Uh, next one I got playing right field, Roberto Clemente. Oh, solid. God, it's Yeah, great so, choice. you know, it's funny when I told you about when you look at Ted Williams, all the the bold and the italics. When you look at Roberto Clemente, you don't get nearly as many of those. Cut um, down on his prime. Although, well... Well, later on. Yeah, he was later pretty, pretty later. late. I mean, he got got 3,000 hits and then, and then died in a plane crash Still going to help the, the folks in Nicaragua. Um, but four batting titles, uh, 1971 World Series MVP, hit 414. But more than anything, maybe, uh, is the way he played. He was, you know, obviously I didn't see him play. Um, but I've talked to people like my dad and some of his friends. I talked to them. They said he was the most ferocious player he's ever seen. What do you mean ferocious? It, ferocious like, in that. Like Bob Gibson he, ferocious? Yeah, intense like Bob It's like Bob Gibson on the other side of the ball. Got but it. just attack. Like if you ever see a clip of Roberto Clemente running, like hitting a triple, he is, it's such an aggressive sprint from home to third like base. Like Pete Rose, Mr. It is unbelievable. No, it's not like not that. It's that like, hard, no. It is an angry I'm Man. taking this. You are not going to deny me. Uh, this, he just was a ferocious ball player. I love the fact that the he tits. uh Yeah, tons of intensity. Uh, a cannon in the outfield. Yeah, Since yeah. 1920, nobody, no outfielders had more outfield assists than Roberto Clemente. That record still stands, 266 assists. That 12, is a lot. 12 gold gloves. He's just just a, a, an unbelievably complete ball player. Now, going back to what I, I told you earlier about my dad, my dad said the two – most complete players he ever saw were Clemente and Mays, and he and he would favor Clemente just because of the way he played. Could you imagine those guys on the same team? <laughs> yeah, maybe we need a Clemente type guy on the on the Redbirds. Can't stop the card away. <laughs> you just gotta bend over and take it. Yeah, he doesn't walk enough. <laughs> he doesn't hustle enough. He, he didn't play for a manager yeah. that called people out yeah. on the second series of the of the season. Well, who you got now? Who, who okay, so our kind of backup. I, and, you know, I, I got to go back to the Yankees. Different era, or same era, kind of, sort of. Joey D. 56-game hitting streak. <laughs> He's good. There's a record. We talk about sports records. Records are made to be broken. That, I'm going to say this. Everybody out there can book it down. That record will never be broken. 56 straight. And I told you Ted Williams didn't win the MVP in 1941 when he hit 406 and won the Triple Crown. It's because Joe D won that year. Was that just a popularity? Because, now, if you think Ted Williams was more popular with the fans and, you know, didn't salute his fans until he came out for the All-Star game. Yeah, he didn't tip his So do you think if he was maybe had more of a personality, he would have won the popularity belt? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's what it is. Numbers speak for themselves. That's what's so great about sports is numbers don't lie. And I, I apologize to our listeners out there. I didn't I forgot about the uh, backup one, but you know Joey D was just such a great. He, he he's just one of the great, all-time great. Yankee. Uh, Joe DiMaggio hit career. I think it was 361 home runs. Yeah, that's that's 100. You know how many times he struck out? No. 369. <laughs> yeah. So almost as many home runs. We can even get into that later. That too, is insane. Into it. So. Or was hitters striking out more because pitchers yeah. are better, or we just t- a combination? We of talked both? about that last week. We did, but yeah. it's just—it's an ongoing thing. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, when you, yeah, unbelievable. I uh, struck out five times in college. <laughs> uh, Don place. Mattingly, Don Mattingly had a year like that in, in the '80s where he had 31 home runs and struck out 35 times. You know what? So just a comment on that. We were talking about Don Mattingly at work. I know we got to wrap the show up because everybody's got things to do, and we appreciate y'all listening. Just a reminder: this isn't 90 feet apart, but. Why did Donovan Manley play? His career was a lot shorter than I thought it was. Yeah, bad back. Had a bad back. 
Well, he's good at running out of the dugout. Yeah, no, he blew his back out. And was it because never the same. Of, was it because of the cotton uniforms George Costanza gave him? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was upset about the trade for Jay Buhner. You got um, a rocket phone on. You don't know what the hell you're doing. Um, all right, so my last pick yeah, is, you got? Uh, Hit it my last pick is my favorite ball player of all time, not Tommy Hurt. It's oh. my favorite card of all time. Uh, my favorite ball player of all time was Kirby Puckett. Kurt, oh, one eye? Yeah, yeah. Uh, take it easy. Uh, seven top ten what MVPs, two-time World Series champion, six-time Gold Glove, five-time Silver Slugger, 318 career batting average. The only right-hand—that's the highest right, batting average by a right-hander for the career since Joe DiMaggio. That's pretty good. I mean, we talk about. Was he a twin forever? He was. He twelve was. years with the Twins. Led the league in hitting four times, but he led the league in smiles all twelve years. Did, was he on the team? Now, correct me. This is your era. So I was growing up as a kid. Was he? Was Gaetti on that team? That he eighty-seven. Won? He was on the okay. 87 team, not the 91 team. Mike Pegley-Rula was the third baseman on the 91 team. So, But he was on the team that Gary – so Gary yeah. got it. They won that series. 87. Cardinals, right? 87, yeah. yes. Okay. Yeah, that team was – it was Kirby Puckett, Kent Herbeck, Tom Bernanski, Gary Gaetti, and a cast of other guys. Dan Gladden was a pretty significant contributor. Frank Viola and Burt Blylevin. Couldn't tell you anybody else in that team because their pitching was awful. They only won 85 games that year in the regular season. But so won the Cardinals the have a chance? I'm telling you that. Well, the Cardinals won with 83 in 2006. So, so speaking of Gary Gaetti, for those of you who don't know, he's a local boy. Illinois boy. I, I think he doesn't live. He doesn't live here. I think he lives in Texas still. But somebody at work is, uh, is a cousin of his. Maybe I believe we, he's from Centralia. He is. He is. We can maybe we can get him on a show. Oh, that'd be amazing. That would be really tough. Yeah, he was a good ball player. Man. Yeah, I liked him a lot. And you know what? He didn't wear. He had the old Ozzy Smith Correct. forward catching helmet. No flaps. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. On so, the knock swing, but it worked. Yeah, he hit the ball hard. Yeah, he did. He was a good player. I liked him a lot. All right, that's it from us on Cinco de Mayo. We're going to wrap it up uh, here on 90 Feet Apart. We thank you all for joining. Keep listening. Hopefully the uh, audio sounds a little bit better, and we wish you all, uh, while you're listening, a pleasant evening or morning or afternoon, and we'll be back next week to discuss more sports, hopefully with some better Cardinal stuff if you're a Cardinals fan. And we thank you once again for tuning in. Like I said, Hit the like, subscribe, Spotify, all that. Of course, if you're listening to it, you know where we're at. But uh, we appreciate it all, and we're having fun doing it. Peace!